All right, ladies and gents, your buddy Gavin, filibusterfreestyle.com. This is going to be a special episode of the Sports Jerks NBA Finals Edition. Eastern Conference Finals just ended Game 6. Celtics fall to the Miami Heat. We're bringing in our buddy Marky Sal to talk about this series as well as a little NBA Finals preview. Check the theme song from the filibusterfreestyle.com. Filibuster, filibusterfreestyle. All right, folks, that was the theme song. As promised, Marky Sal joins us. Marky Sal, game six just ended in the books, Eastern Conference Finals. The Heat are moving on to the finals. We'll get to that in a minute. How are you, first of all? Got money. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, well, I mean, other than you know that loss, I'm doing really good. All right, that's fair. I'm glad that you're doing well overall. I am yep. sorry that we, you know, we said earlier today, win or lose, Celtics podcast. They were facing elimination. It was Game Six. Seemed like a good time to jump in on that. Um, thought the Celtics. Well, the fourth, the fourth quarter, the second half of the fourth quarter was its own thing. But thought they played pretty good in the second quarter. Okay in the first quarter, really good in the third quarter, and great in the first half of the fourth quarter. Um, what I don't know. How do you how do you how do you feel that it, before they fell apart at the end? How do you feel the game went for them? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you have it you have it uh, pretty dead on there, you know. But also, that's kind of that's talking about offensively, right? Because yes. defensively. It didn't. It, it didn't look like we were necessarily struggling, but we did let them put up a, a good amount of points, right? So, yes. um, so the whole game, I guess, you know, we we, we should have. We, we would expect them to do better defensively, but you know, Miami shot shot the lights out. Uh, sometimes that that's just that's just a tough thing, you know. Like it's hard to to guard, especially in the age of the three pointer. Yeah, it's not easy. So, uh, but you know, I think that. Uh, it, they they certainly did not come out and like embarrass themselves. They played they played hard for, I, you know they played hard for most of the game. They had it together for most of the game, but they just fell apart in the yeah. fourth quarter. Yeah, it was pretty wild. They were down whatever they were down, you know, two or three or four or whatever, and they got up six. And then I think the, the Heat before it got really out of hand went on like a twenty-four to six run. Basically, you know, the game was kind of clinched by then, and there were still like two minutes to go. But the bottom line was, yeah, I think when it came to start clamping down, the Heat, especially the Heat's role players, kept making shots. Celtics just were clanking it off the iron. And then, um, yeah, Miami just kind of got, got all the bounces they needed. But they were executing, too. So then it just got ugly at the end in terms of the score. Uh, didn't like the fouls, you know, in terms of, Tice and certainly Kemba were hamstrung with a lot of fouls tonight. I mean, let me ask you this. Now that the playoffs are over for the Celtics, do you think there was 30 bad calls on Daniel Tice fouls during the playoffs? Was there 50? Was there 150? You tell me. Oh, man. I, I honestly, these these playoffs, they, they've, they've been so hard to understand when it comes to officiating because <clears throat> there's been <clears throat> a ton of bad calls, like you said, on Tice for sure. Um, but then even, even when they go to review these calls, um, there, there's been, there's been a bad, a bunch of calls where it's like, I don't understand how all of these calls have been technicals upon review. 
Right. You know, I've seen so many of that. It's like to me, if it if it's if it's like incidental contact, right? Sure, that's a foul, but that's not a technical. And I feel like I've seen a whole slew of you know just the guy going up in a normal motion, mm-hmm. and sure he hurts the guy, but it wasn't intentional by any means. And those are those are technicals now. I, I that's confusing me. So I think this the. Um, the officiating has been has been tough. Yeah, it's funny. And again, talking about all the series here, you know, obviously I've been I watched the Western Finals, I watched a lot of the semifinals, etc. But when I used to when I played basketball as a little kid, and all the way up until about two three years ago, I pretty much understood what a foul was and whose fault it was in almost every situation. And now, the point you just spent a couple seconds making a few minutes a few seconds ago is exactly right. I've watched this sport my whole life, and I've never been more confused about what's a foul and on who, and is it a flagrant than I am since they went to video replay the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to. I agree with that. Like, it's just it's so hard figuring, like determining, like what. Honestly, like in the beginning of the playoffs, like I would be like, oh, there's no way that's a flagrant, or that'll get overturned, or whatever. And and it, I'm I'm just always surprised by it. And yeah. it's the first time that this has ever been the case. So, it may be, yeah, and maybe part of it too is the fact that it's you know they have played all these games in the bubble and the neutral crowd, you know, no crowd, so therefore neutral crowd. So like, as it's as if when you're at the home game of a team, sometimes the crowd legitimizes what your eyes are seeing, whether the refs get it right or wrong. And I think maybe the lack of a crowd makes it even more heightened when. To your naked eye, we're kind of saying to ourselves, that wasn't a foul or that was a block or that was a charge. That was a mistake, incidental contact. And then we're hearing, no, that was a charge or a block or a flagrant one or whatever as dude's ejected. So, yeah, I... Could, could be. Could be. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I guess we could throw out a million different reasons of how, why it makes sense. But to me, it will never, you know... This this playoffs will never make sense to me exactly like how it happened because it, it it's baffling. But what I will say to, to bring it back is that like I don't blame it on the officiating. No, not at all. I think that's I think that's happened across the board. Yes. Right? It's not just been versus the, against the Celtics who have gotten the bad calls. I no. believe it's you know every every game that I've watched. I do agree. I do think for whatever reason Daniel Tice seems to be on the on the heels of when there's a foul and it's close, call it on Daniel Tice. But besides that. I do think most of the fouls are just wildly erratic all the time. Um, and even even with Tice, I'm sure he has 20 fouls a game. But he, they, always find, they always seem to get him six. Um, and, that's okay, and that's okay. So let's, let's go through some people. Let's, let's talk about some individuals from this series before we get into the finals. So let's start with Jason Tatum. I mean, obviously he had a really tough half in game five, was it, or four? Um, I guess it was four. You know, he's had a tough first half. He has had some slow starts to the last three or four games, but he, he always came on in the end. People keep talking about how young he is, how young he is, and he is very young. Obviously, at some point, that will stop, and, and you got to just take the mantle. But where are you in, in terms of how pleased you are with Jason Tatum's development this year and in the bubble? Yeah, I think I think that overall, I mean, he's, he's um, you know, turned into – not only an, an all-star, but, you know, a, a superstar this year. So, very pleased. Um, with, you know, I, I will say that, you know, I, I will be, I am kind of disappointed in, in those slow starts. Yeah. Um, definitely, like, you know, to get to that next 
next level of, of being an NBA champion, especially like being the leader of an NBA championship team. Yes. You know, that, that, that can't keep that, that he's got to fix that. Um, and then also, you know, I also think that like, you know, the, the decision-making isn't always where it needs to be. And I feel like, especially like in, in, in late game scenarios, yes. you know, um, I, I, you know, for example, when, when we started to fall apart, his his alley oop pass to Jalen Brown just was like a head scratcher. It just like I I don't know what you were trying to accomplish there. We, you know we were still still could have made a run. Um, so I, I I overall very pleased with the season. I, there's some things that he needs to tighten up, but I think that he will. Um, but you know the, the other thing is that this this year was a was a great opportunity. Next year, we're going to have, uh, you know, Brooklyn is going to have Kyrie Irvin and Durant. Yes. You, you know, you know, you know that um, the 76ers are going to retool and come back, yep. you, you know, the Bucks. healthy hope with, with, with Ben Simmons. And then and then also, you know, Giannis, he's, yep. he's, he's still going to be there. So so this was a golden opportunity. They, Tatum can, can get to that superstar stratum next year and still come up short right. you know, because that the competition in the East has got to be tough. Yeah, this could easily be a year when, I mean, in both conferences, right? Because the, the, the Warriors were like the worst team in the West this year. That's an aberration. They're bringing back a bunch of guys. Um, yep. And obviously with, with the Raptors losing Kawhi and the Heat knocking out Giannis, and we, to your point, the Nets were on the sidelines – with their best players, yeah, this was the golden opportunity for both really the Lakers who did make it and the Celtics who didn't make it to maybe sneak through before things even get tougher. And I do agree yep. that the next year Tatum and others on the team could absolutely make the leap and maybe not even make the conference finals because of how deep the East is going to be next year. Totally agree yeah. with that. Let me, let me ask you this. So Br- Brad Stevens, I mean, again, the guys made the Eastern Conference Finals three out of the last four years. The one year he didn't, Kyrie was basically sabotaging the team. Um, obviously, a lot of people are going to blame him for stuff. Coaches always have to take the blame as to the best players. You know, where were you with Brad Stevens in terms of the job he's done this year? Um, I, I, I would say, you know, it's, it's weird. I, I'd say I, I would give him, like, you know, an A mm-hmm. up until um, – really up until really the playoffs okay. you know I think that you know this series and last series I, I you know when, when, the, when the guys come out and they're not ready and they're, and they're starting slow and and um, and oh and you know you're taken out of your game by like a zone, a zone yeah. or a full court press I, I, I mean I think a coach should take a lot of the heat for that. Now, I, now you can say that Brad Stevens did make some adjustments and they played much better against us on the last two games, but we, we were still down in that hole because we didn't play good against them early on. Correct. And I, I, that's just kind of confusing to me that, like, you know, uh, an NBA team could struggle that much with the zone. I mean, I'm not playing against those guys, you know, playing zone defense, so it's not like I can say, like, you know, I've been there and I could do better, but just from watching, it's kind of like it's kind of a head scratcher that it can throw 
So, and, and maybe it's just because you don't see it that much. Maybe, but yeah. it, it's surprising that it's, it can throw that much of a wrench into the game plan. Right. The other issue that I have with, again, the team being, you know, the decision making the team made down the stretch in games one, two, and four, and even game three, which they won. I mean, this is a team that was blowing double-digit leads like it was their job. And unfortunately, it was their job because now they're out of the playoffs. Um, and if, yeah. they, if they sneak one of those two first games and get a victory and take care of the ball when they're up 10-plus, 15-plus, I think, in both games, or 14-plus, you know, we're going to a Game 7 by de facto, right? We're going to a Game 7 because it would have been 3-3 three to three tonight, you know, because the Heat would have been down a game. Um, I did think that the Heat were definitely the better team in Game 4, and they were definitely the better team tonight. Um, but I do think that, the, you know, there was a stat after the third game where the Celtics and the Heat, sorry, after the fourth game, after four games, the Celtics and the Heat have the exact same amount of points for and against, but the Heat were up three to one. And that's what happens when you blow leads. And you blow leads three out of those first four games. And, and yeah, you basically got to beat the Heat six times, which is impossible, right? So, yeah, right. So, so yeah, I, I will say, like, Overall, I'm still happy with the Brad teams. I think that, yeah. you know, he, he deserves to continue being the coach. Oh, yeah, and that for, kind sure, of thing. for sure. But I certainly think that it is that time to start saying, okay, yeah, you're a good coach, but you are, you are hired to get us to uh, the, the finals. finals. You, yeah. have, you have this great talent. You really do have a really talented team. So, you know, this, this year you didn't make it, but in the next three years, if it doesn't happen, it's going to be hard to say, hey, you know, Brad season Stevens has been a successful coach in this league if he hasn't made it to that point. That's fair. I think that's a good way to put it. So, um, you know, Gordon Haywood obviously playing hurt, came back from the bubble. I think he definitely was helpful for sure in their rotation, though he's their highest paid player. He's going to opt into his last year of his contract. No one in the NBA is going to give him that kind of money again, probably, unless he has a wild year next year, which would be a good problem to have. But you know, that money will come off the books eventually. But, you know, really your sixth man is your highest paid player. That's never a good play salary cap wise. So what they do with that being the case is pretty awesome. Um, and I just would I would tip my cap. I think for what Kemba is, he's he's great. He's a, to me, he's a second or a third banana. And uh, I think this experience is great for him because even though he's a veteran, he's never gotten this far before. And I think, you know, I love Jalen Brown. I love Marcus Smart. Um, I got nothing bad to say about either one of those two guys. I think we get everything we can out of those two guys. Yeah, just about about Kemba. Um, I I definitely here's the thing about Kemba is like I get it. He has hadn't been on talented teams before, so he was the only option. Right. But man, every time we played against Kemba, he absolutely tore us yes. lights out, forty yes. points, scoring every single time down. Like, how can you not stop this guy? And we we saw that. In, in flashes, you know, it, it certainly wasn't on that same level. And there were some, some, you know, I can't forget which series it was. It might have been in the beginning of this series or the last series where he, he was just terrible. Yes. I, that, that, that's surprising. I, I, it's still kind of hard for me to understand, and I know he was dealing with some injuries and, and that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, I guess, I guess that, that mindset of, like, of, of being the third banana – it's not necessarily, you know. Uh, sometimes it, you, you, if things aren't going right, you need you need, just need to revert back into that into that, um, you know, that killer that we saw. Yeah. And so th- that's slightly disappointing, but overall, this still a great addition to the team. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, all right. Well, unless you get any more in the cells, let's let's pivot to what's going to be a pretty fascinating finals from a storyline standpoint, right? You got LeBron going to, I think, his ninth finals in 10 years. Amazing. Um, every year that he's made the playoffs in the last 10 years, which is not last year when he was hurt and the team was no good in the Lakers, he's made the finals. Nine, nine out of 10, to your point, that is amazing. I want to get into that in a minute. He's playing his, one of his old teams. He's, he's playing the Heat. Um, you know, I, I think there, he didn't definitely, he didn't, ne- didn't necessarily leave there on the best terms. It wasn't quite the way when he left Cleveland the first time, uh, level infamy, but I think he definitely surprised Pat Riley and some of the other heat brass when he did leave to go back to Cleveland. So I don't think there's any love lost there. Uh, Pat Riley used to be with obviously a Lakers championship coach of the Showtime Lakers, um, you get two fan bases that, I mean, the Lakers have some hardcores for sure, but a lot of fans worldwide, a lot of Fairweather fans like both those teams as well. You got the Jimmy Butler thing. You had a lot of stories. So I guess my question for you is two-parter. I guess I'll start with this one, but I want to ask you, um, how do you even choose who to root for personally, and what are you most excited to see in this thing? And obviously those are two big questions, so take them one at a time, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess my my biggest the, the thing that I'm rooting for the most is is having a good series. Yeah, right? give me six, seven because, games. Yeah, because and I and I guess by default, if that's what I'm looking for, I'm kind of rooting for Miami at least in the short term to like show up, you know? Yeah. Because I certainly think that this latest team is, you know, they're tough. They're they're uh, they're, they're a very good team. So. It's going to take a lot for Miami to, to make it a series. Right. So I'm rooting for that. Overall, though, I kind of think that I'm, I'm rooting for, i put it this way, I'm rooting for Ron James to get another ring mm. in, in seven games. There you go. There you go. <laughs> be specific, but that's what I'm looking for. Got it. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because people ask me all the time, and they, they ask everybody all the time. I mean, you basically, if you like basketball at all, you have to have an opinion on LeBron, right? Like, it's fair. He's he's the best player. He's been the best player of a long time. He is very polarizing for a number of things. I always point to the fact that this kid has been in the spotlight since he was 15 years old, and he's basically never gotten in trouble. He's a human. So, yeah, he's you can pick apart everything he's ever said or done or whatever. And, and believe me, if you put a mirror on me or you or anybody else, you're going to have some skeletons or warts in those closets or those statements, too. So, so, yeah, right. So, exactly. So, my man has been in the spotlight for 20-plus years, and he's essentially done it the right way over and over and over again, whether people like it or not, whether I like it or not, you know? Um, I'm never going to be comfortable being a Lakers fan or rooting for the Lakers, but to your point, you know, this dude is now, what, 36 years old. He grew the beard out. He didn't dye it back. You know, he got the gray hairs. He's going bald. Uh, by the way, Andre Iguodala's going a little bald too. It's okay. But you know, you, these guys who were kind of the mainstays of the last decade are, are definitely at the at the at the end or starting to get to the end of their careers, right? And so, this is a guy who still somehow put up a, a monster triple double the other night in Game Six or whatever it was, Game Five, the Western Conference Finals. And yeah, I don't know that I can be one of those people who openly roots against a guy who's with the exception of maybe Bill Russell, might be the most consistent like catalyst for a team being successful or when he leaves the team, it falling apart immediately, 
right? Because left the Cavs, they fell apart. Left the Heat, they fell apart. Went back to the Cavs, they went to four straight finals. Went to the Lakers, got hurt, they didn't make the playoffs. This year, gets AD, stays healthy. They're the one seed, they're in the finals. So my man is definitely a catalyst for success, and you got to kind of root to see him possibly pull this off as an individual. And again, I'm not a Lakers fan by any stretch, but his story's fascinating. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree with everything you said there. And for me, I feel like I've kind of, uh, you know, I, I kind of learned my lesson with, with Kobe Bryant, mm, right? Okay. Where it's like, it's like, I never allowed to cheer for Kobe Bryant because, you know, I'm, I'm from Massachusetts and I'm a Celtics fan and the Lakers are, you know, our arch enemies and all this kind of thing. And, and so the, the weird thing is, is once Kobe died and you start paying a little bit more attention to not only, you know, the things that he's published on the court, but also the things that, you know, the, the person that he was off the court, I, I kind of was like, man, you know, I still wish that I, I was at least was so anti-Kobe right? and and so I kind of learned my lesson so with LeBron it's like you know first of all he plays the game the right way like you said he doesn't he's not out getting into all kinds of trouble doing all the crazy stuff if anything he is a model citizen right, right. right. The, the way he did the school that he you know that he gives back to and all these other things that you know that he's involved with that, he, that are just positive things for the world and and so you know, I refuse to ever let those kind of things get in the way of, you know, rooting for somebody just based on, you know, the colors that they wear or the town, the city that they represent. Right. Um, so so for LeBron, you know, I, I'm all in on, on hope, wishing him success as long as it's not against the, the, um, the Celtics, obviously. Right. And then another thing that I want to say is that you know, there, there is a thing about LeBron where, like I said, he plays the game right, mm-hmm. right? Where so he does like the little things, you know, he's a great passer, he's rebounding and, and defense and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's one of the things that, I'm, I'm, that I was proud of Miami about because I hadn't watched them play a season very often, you know, only they kind of played against the Celtics. Right. And men, they, they move the ball very well. They you do. Know, like they, they, and, and especially in that, their first couple wins, they, they were moving the ball really well and it was, it, that's, that's basketball to watch. Yeah. You know, and so, um, that's one of the things that, that's going to be exciting about this, about this finals is there will be some, definitely some good basketball. There will be. Um, for, for sure. Um, the, the other thing I would say is, Miami obviously is a five seed. They play great team basketball. It clearly has worked out for them in Miami, in the bubble, sorry, in Orlando. Um, I would say that Miami, and they've had the emergence of some young guys. They've had the emergence of some old guys. I would say Miami's role players are better than anybody's in the NBA, and that's why they're in the finals. Um, I think Jimmy, I'll get into Jimmy Butler in a second with you. Jimmy Butler is either the most overrated superstar or the most underrated star. You know what I mean, or whatever it is. He's he's or he's properly rated as maybe a top fifteen player, but certainly not a top five player. Bam Adebayo, obviously, very impressive. But then I look at where the Lakers are strong, and they're strong at small forward and center. And I know that Anthony Davis doesn't want to be called a center, but he's seven feet tall and he can guard fives. Um, so it will be very interesting because I do think the Lakers' supporting cast is. Definitely a lot more suspect, 
but it's all guys, mostly guys who've been there before, who are grizzled vets like Rondo or Danny Green, guys with rings um, who want another ring. And, and it, it's fascinating because you get probably the, the, the Heat's best two players are probably overmatched a little bit, but then they're three through three through eight are probably stronger than anything the Lakers have. So, again, fascinating to see how that's going to play out. Well, yeah, fascinating. And, and, and to your point, Rick, of, of, of these next couple of guys for the Heat, man, if you see the emergence of Tyler Hero in the finals, I mean, we already saw it yep. as the Celtics. But if he comes, if he, if he scores, you know, 15, 20 points a game, Man, that's going to be a storyline for such a young guy, and he—he's fun to watch. Yeah, it wasn't fun watching against the Celtics. Not at all. Just in yeah. general, man, he—he's dynamic. Yeah, and it—it uh, it, it gets—he could certainly make it a series. I still think the Lakers will win, but he's—he's X factor for sure. Yeah, the Lakers are super interesting to me because. You know, they lost their first game to the Blazers and then took care of business. They lost their first games to the Rockets, took care of business. Obviously, the Nuggets, I mean, again, we don't need to get into the Nuggets tonight, but what they were able to pull off getting to the Western Finals, excuse me, and pulling off two massive comebacks from 3-1 to deficits. I mean, Murray and Jokic were a problem, and uh, but the Lakers did find a way. And so, yeah, I, I agree. It's like on paper— you would think the Lakers, it's their series to lose, but to your point, I just think the Heat's bench slash three, four, five guys in their starting lineup have so much more ability to go off and give you 20 points. You know, Dragic, um, certainly Hero, Robinson. I mean, they've got dudes who can put up 25 points as the third option, and the Lakers really don't. And that's going to be the biggest, I think, that will be, if this thing goes six or seven games, I think that will be the issue. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Do you see any world in which the Lakers just lose in five? No, no, no. I, I honestly don't see a world where the Lakers lose, and that's that's. I guess I, I guess unless LeBron goes down with an injury, which sure. that that's another crazy thing that doesn't even seem likely because you know he, he's been so. He's like the you know the Tom Brady of basketball. Like he's just been so consistent and like still looks like he's in great shape and just you know so, so surprising. Yes. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't see any way that the that the Lakers really lose. But you know, crazier things have happened. Crazier things have happened for sure. And then I mentioned Butler earlier. Um, I feel like he went from a guy who was seen as like a malcontent and and kind of a you know fourth team in four years to. Oh, this is a guy you can build your franchise around, and it all kind of happened in a little bit this year before the bubble, but certainly in the bubble. Um, where do you where do you put him in terms of NBA players right now, Jimmy Butler? Yeah, I, I, mean, I think I think you're you're probably right when it, when when you say top fifteen. It's if if he if he had a better outside shot, yeah, then you'd have to say top ten. Surprising that he doesn't have a better outside shot, but it is what it is. He he, you know, he's just so he plays at his own pace. You know, he doesn't need to be like the fastest guy out there, right? And you know, he just he just gets in the lane, determined. You know, like solid. Like I said, he's not breaking people down to get into the lane. He's just finding the right alleyway and going up strong and finishing strong and. That's 
all the watches will know, you know. He's also one of those superstars where he doesn't mind, you know, um, sharing that spotlight. You know, it seems like he's happy to to, to pass to an open teammate or, or even or even just get make a play to get a teammate going. Right. Um, he seems. He definitely seems like he he's got some really good leadership qualities. Which, to your point, you know that wasn't the word on him in the past. Right. Um. So so, yeah, I'm 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 happy for him. You know, I'm happy for for him on his like journey through the NBA that he he's he's getting that redemption because you know it's been it's been known about him that he you know he had these abilities for a long time mm-hmm. he just hasn't been in the right situation so and 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 you know uh, to that point you got to take your hat off to hat off to the Miami Heat organization right because man they they find a way to just like be good to develop players um you know, Eric Spolster, I I think he's a fantastic coach. Yeah, you know the same way that I yeah. that I that I said I might be kind of just a little bit doubting Brad Stevens right now. Eric Spolster is the opposite man. I think he is a, a fantastic coach, and right. so you know maybe maybe it's that marriage of Spolster to to Butler that you know is allowing them both to kind of shine a little bit more. Yeah, well I'll tell you what too. It's it's um. If there was any doubt about Spolstra before this, and I don't think there was much, I mean, it's it's now completely erased, right? Because didn't need D-Wade, didn't need LeBron, got it done. Got it done with a bunch of guys who honestly, maybe with the exception of Adebayo and, and maybe now Hero, because they did draft Hero and he's blossoming like big time. But, you know, this is Jimmy Butler. He was not a first-choice guy. That's why he's on his fourth team in four years. Um, Dragic was kind of the caddy to Steve Nash and others in Phoenix. They finally moved him out of there. Um, he's found a home in Miami. Um, you know, guys like that. So, so yeah, I think that they do a really good job. And it's one of those ones where, you know, you either hate to love them or love to hate them, but, but they, they somehow are both the bullies and the underdogs at the same time with this particular team. And um, that's going to be interesting going up against the Lakers team that's Probably as likable as any Lakers team from from a non-Lakers fan standpoint for the reasons we went into earlier, which is this isn't the Kobe dynasty. This isn't the Shaq-Kobe dynasty. This isn't Magic's dynasty. You know, this is a Lakers team that was basically horrible last year, and they added LeBron and AD, and now they're, you know, the favorites to win the title. So interesting stuff. Actually, I found an interesting fact tonight. Both these teams didn't even make the playoffs last year, and now here they are in the finals. Yeah, weird stat, right? That's wild. Yeah. So the good news about the NBA is you had the stranglehold for years of the Warriors, and really it was kind of like whoever's team LeBron was on until last year. You had the aberration last year of the Raptors getting it done. And then, uh, yeah, you, you're back to LeBron on one side, but you got a completely open Eastern Conference, at least for this year. So I guess the last two places I want to go are, um, you know, do you – what did you think about the, the Clippers just flaming out to the Nuggets? I mean, I thought they were the favorites to win the title. That was shocking to me. So, so shocking. I, I, I thought that the combination of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George was lethal. Yes. You know, because cause you're not just talking about two, like, 
good offensive players. You're talking about two great offensive players who also happen to be two great defensive yes. players. So, so to me, you know, that that stat alone, not stat, but that that fact alone was was just, you know, I just thought they were going to wreak hat on the league. Yeah. And the fact that the fact that they fell apart, man, uh, surprising. Very surprising. All right, last question about non-championship stuff here. You've got the new super team potentially in Brooklyn with Durant and Kyrie on one side, and you've got the Warriors without KD running it back with Stefan and Clay and Draymond and whoever else will be on their team. Who do you think is more likely to be, say, in the Western or Eastern Conference Finals next year, the Nets or the Warriors in their respective conferences? I'd say the Warriors because because they just have history and experience, right? Mm-hmm. I think that it's a very open question. I mean, with Kyrie Irving and, and Durant, too, right? Both of those players... As good as they can be on the court, mm-hmm. they can be just uh, almost crazy off the court, right? Like, yep. like Kyrie Irving, you know, he, he's got he's got a lot of peculiar things about him, and and, and you know, he seems at least the narrative is, is that you know he's not the, the best locker room guy. He's even come out and said some things himself, like he could have done this better, that better. Um, and then, and then Durant, you know, obviously he, by the end, he wasn't getting along in Golden State with, with, with the way that that team dynamic, yeah. but it's kind of surprising because like, why did you decide to go to the, go to that team? You know right. what I mean? Like they were already good before you got there. Like should have kind of known that. Yeah. Right. You weren't going to come in and everybody's going to be, you know, kissing your ass. Can we swear on this? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, so so both of them are seem like a little bit off to me, off the court. But that doesn't mean that they can't get on the court and play together, and just like just go, you know, bananas through the league. It's, but it is a question to me, right? The the other team is is more of a, a, a known entity, so I I'd have to put my money on on um, Golden State. But what I will, another thing that I'd like to say is that man. The NBA is in such good hands yes. going forward, yes. right? It's like to see all this young talent, whether it's you know Jason Tatum or um, who's the guy who just came out of nowhere in, in, in um, the, the Nuggets team. Oh, Jamal Murray, yeah, yeah, Jamal Murray. Like I, I, I hadn't even heard of him like through halfway through the season, and right. then he just kind of starts going on a yeah, now he's the now he's like the best. He's Steph Curry light. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, exactly. And then and then you got um, the the Pelicans who are going to be you know an up and coming team. Yeah. Um, so just so many good young players in the NBA right now that um, it makes me excited to watch it for ten more years. You know. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing is, and we mentioned this with LeBron still being at a high level at the age of thirty six. Not only are players coming in the league more talented and ready than ever, but because of the knowledge of fitness and diet and rehab and taking care of your bodies, these guys are having these 10-plus-year careers at a high, high level, too. So to your point, the league's in good hands, and I don't think it's going anywhere. 
Um, all right. I don't know if I've ever asked you this question, at least not in the last several years. So where are you on the Jordan-LeBron thing? And if LeBron were to win a third, a ring with a third team, would that do anything to where your rankings would be now, assuming that they're your number one and two, at least for wing players um, all time? Yeah. Um, I'm still Jordan. Yeah. And I honestly I honestly don't know that I can ever change that. Yeah, I agree now, with you. I agree with that. Now, I, I, I just think that you know, even in LeBron's, like the the, and I don't want to take anything away from him, but he's definitely played with some great, great players. Yeah. And I think that you know, and sometimes he was on a team with like multiple great players, where where Jordan had Scottie Pippen. You know what I mean? Like right. And just like. Just like the whole, I don't know. It's hard, hard, to, hard to describe what, what I'm saying, but it's not just like about about the, the number of wins that they have, or or just like really the stats. Yeah. It's more about like how Jordan was like bigger than the game. Yes, right, right. right. I, I remember watching you know playoff games with Michael Jordan and him getting the ball in the big situation every single time. And no doubt about the fact that he was going to take that shot and he was probably going to make it. And then the next game, all game long, no doubt about who was controlling that game every play. Right. I, I, I honestly, I think that we, we were lucky to experience it. And I don't think that, and, and I, I, I think it's an important question. I, I'm not saying that we shouldn't ask the question, but I, I don't think that we should say that there's ever that we should have in our minds that oh there's going to be somebody eventually who does right I, I don't know that we can say that because it was special you know yeah for sure i mean i would i would say this um and i just thought of this while we were talking but f- until tom brady won, wound up going to nine super bowls and winning six of them i think there were a lot of people who were saying well even if he's won four he's lost two and joe montana you know he never lost one it's like right but he made less you know what i mean he didn't go as many times and so the Jordan thing is funny because when Jordan didn't make it, it's because he was like basically was playing baseball, <laughs> um, right. and or he came back he came back kind of middle of the season that second year, and they lost to the Magic, and obviously they righted that ship the next year. For LeBron, it's been a little different where he's jumped around a little bit. I think you know he made a Finals in Cleveland in 07. They did not give him anybody to work with for the next three years, which was shame on them if he went to the Heat, which I think you know whatever, but. If, if he had won more than three titles already of these nine, and it was maybe like he'd won, he was seven and two going into this one, I think you could make a Tom Brady versus Joe Montana equivalency. But I think to your point, just getting to the finals isn't enough, and, and the, the supporting casts probably have been a little better. Um, and then bottom line is whenever Jordan got to that, those finals, he just wouldn't take no for an answer. And that's just that's the difference, I think. And you know, you know what? You know what? There is one other thing about it. It's in in we don't sports. We we, we kind of shy away from this. And it's also just the aesthetics, right? Yeah, yeah. When you're talking about what's great, I mean, Michael Jordan's game was just absolutely beautiful and amazing to watch. Mm-hmm. Like LeBron is like, you know, he he makes a smart play and he, and he could play powerful and he can play fast, but it's never like as gorgeous as yeah, that's you know when 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 Michael Jordan was like flying through the lane and like 
double pumping and just like dunking on people like with his tongue out. It, yeah. It, I, I don't know. To me, like you have that goes into the that goes into the conversation. So yeah. I, I I just don't think LeBron could ever. It, it's not upset. Yeah. The only time that he kind of had that that complete piece was when he and Wade the first two years in Miami when Wade was still kind of like one of the best three or four players in the league too. And because of what they could do together, you would see some just amazingly beautiful basketball plays that, that are just majestic. But to your point, Jordan didn't need Dwayne Wade to do that. He, he was doing it well, on his own. So it's funny that you bring up Dwayne Wade because if I would say that there's any other player who's been almost as aesthetically pleasing as Michael Jordan, yeah, Wade, Wade. for sure, for sure. So that's kind of funny. I think you're right. I think that the comp in terms of the type of player, Wade's more of the same cut from the same cloth as Jordan. Because really, at the end of the day, LeBron's kind of basically a better shooting Magic Johnson in that he could play power forward. He's playing a lot of point guard. He can shoot it pretty good. He can get his own shot when he needs to. But it's not that same kind of, to your point, I'm going to score. I'm going to find a way. I'm going to break you with my will. And again, he does, but he doesn't. It's just different. You're right. The aesthetic yeah, the yeah. aesthetic very different. I think I I think I think you you're right. You put you put him more in the Magic Johnson bucket um than you do in the Jordan bucket. I think that that's that's very true. Yeah, for sure. And I would say this, I mean Magic definitely had better teammates than LeBron did. I mean, he played with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, James Worthy. I mean, he played with a bunch of Hall of Famers, which doesn't take away from Magic's greatness, but you know, he you give Magic some different teams, and I don't know if he makes all those finals. So anyway, um, yeah, man, that's good stuff. So, what? So you have a pick? You think Lakers in probably six or seven? You think or five or what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Lakers in five. I'm hoping it's Lakers in six or seven, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was five. I think if I, if you know, gun to my head, I got to bet some money. I think I'm saying Lakers in five. Wow, got it. Okay, fair. I do think um, the first game will be key. I think the Lakers win the first game. It's a pretty good chance it becomes a fiver. I think if somehow the Heat steal the first game, I think it's going to be a series just because the Heat will have that you know that that irrational confidence that they're going to need. Um, and, but they're going to just steal one too, you know. So right. we'll see. All right, cool. Well, we'll leave it there. Great job as always, Marky Sal. Um, yeah, I can't believe it's basically October and we're going to have the NBA Finals instead of ex- exhibition games. But I'll take it. Um, it's better than it's better than anything else, and we got you know the good news for the Red Sox is that the Celtics got all the way to the last day of the Red Sox season, so we all can pretend that never happened this summer, and uh, we can just focus on the Patriots for a while. So that's all good stuff, all good stuff. All right, Marky, thanks for being on, my man. All right, thanks, yeah.